This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. Many years ago, in the time of the Helege Baal Shem Tov, there was a village in Lithuania which needed a rabbi. And the townspeople, being Hasidim and connected to the Helege Rebbe, they asked the Baal Shem Tov to send one of his Hasidim to be the rabbi of the town. They promised that they would provide for all of the needs of their rabbi. He would have a home and a fine salary and be given a great deal of respect. And the Baal Shem Tov turned to Yoseleh, one of his Hasidim, and he said, Yoseleh, you will now be the rabbi in this town in Lithuania. And Hasidim are like soldiers in the army. And when the Rebbe tells them to do something, they don't ask questions. And so this Hasid told his family they're moving to Lithuania. And a couple of weeks later, they were settled in the new town. And as soon as he had become the rabbi, he realized that the tzedakah distribution in the town was not according to what he felt was proper. Because there was a Tamid Chacham, there was a Torah scholar who lived in the village, and he was the descendant of another Torah scholar and another Torah scholar. And the people of the town supported him and gave most of their tzedakah in order to support this rabbi who would sit and learn all day and answer halachic questions. The way it worked is that there would be a tzedakah collector who would go around the people of the community collecting the regular donations and then extra donations for this Tamid Chacham, this Torah scholar who was sitting and learning all the time. When the new rabbi learned about this, he told the tzedakah collector that it's not okay that everybody gives money to one individual. When the whole congregation, the whole community has all kinds of needs. So if you're going to collect tzedakah, you need to collect for the whole community and not just for this tamid chacham that's sitting over there. And so the people of the community listened to their rabbi. And every week when the tzedakah collector would go around collecting money, less and less people gave money to the Torah scholar who had been supported by the community for so many years. And one Thursday afternoon, when the wife of the Torah scholar came to the tzedakah collector in the Beit Midrash to get their weekly funds, he sent her away empty-handed because no one had given any money at all to the Torah scholar. They had given everything just for the communal needs, just as the rabbi had asked. And of course she was broken because this was their only source of Parnassah, of livelihood. And when she returned home crying to her husband that the rabbi had decreed that nobody should give them any more tzedakah, he turned his eyes to the heavens and he said, Is this fair? For so many years I've been sitting here and learning in the merit of this community, answering their halachic questions, and they supported me and my family. And now this new rabbi comes to town and takes away our livelihood? Hashem, if the community doesn't support me, I'll have to go and work, and I won't be able to learn. And the prayers of this Torah scholar were heard in the highest places of heaven, and the heavenly court was gathered together to ask for their judgment. And at the same time, there was another case brought against the rabbi in the heavenly court. He had judged in a case down here below, and there was somebody who had opened a business, one next to the other. It was a shoemaker, and directly next to the shoemaker, another shoemaker opened his store. And the first shoemaker came to the rabbi and he said, this is not fair. People are going to both of us, but before, I had a monopoly on this street. 
I don't have any problem with another shoemaker, but he needs to open his store somewhere far from me. And the rabbi agreed and told the second shoemaker that he has to pay the first one, but he didn't ask enough. And in heaven, they were saying this wasn't okay. So now there were two cases being brought against the rabbi in the heavenly court. And they decided to allow the evil force in the world to come and punish the rabbi. And the evil energy said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm afraid of the Hedeg Abal Shem Tov. This is one of his Hasidim. And for sure I won't be able to do my job if he's protected by the Baal Shem Tov. And the heavenly court said, don't worry. In this case, the Baal Shem Tov will have no influence. We will allow you to have full control over his Hasid in Lithuania. And so... The evil energy that Hashem created in the world, which was created in order for there to be good in the world, because ze lumat ze asa, Hashem creates contradictory energies in order for one to be able to stand out from the other. In order to have light, we have to have darkness. And in order to have good, you have to have evil. So the evil energy that Hashem created in the world was given full reign to do whatever it wanted to this new rabbi. And it decided that a punishment worse than death was conversion to Christianity. And so the rabbi continued on his way, not knowing that anything was decided in heaven. And the way it worked in that shul was that the rabbi would daven the morning services on Shabbos at home. And when they reached the Torah reading, Kriyasa Torah, then the gabai, the rabbi's assistant, would come and call the rabbi. He would come for the Torah reading, remain for the rest of davening, and then invite the entire congregation to his home for the Kiddush which was a little bit of schnapps and a little bit of cake. The rabbi, he never drank any alcohol, just a little bit of Kiddush wine, and so he would drink a little bit from the Kiddush cup, and that was it. And that's how Shabbos were in that shul. But after these cases were brought to the heavenly court, the next Shabbos was different. The rabbi put on his talis as usual and was about to start davening shachris, the morning prayers, when suddenly he had a thought in his head an uncontrollable and burning desire to convert to Christianity. He threw off his talus, disgusted at himself, and he poured himself a large glass of whiskey, drank it all down, hoping that it would take away the urge to convert, but it did the contrary, and the rabbi ran to the priest who lived at the edge of town. And he knocks on the door of the priest's house. And it's Shabbos morning. And the priest says to him, Rabbi, what are you doing here? And the rabbi says, My dear friend, I am presenting myself in order to convert to Christianity. I want to be a goy like you. And the priest has a big smile on his face. And he says, Rabbi, please, come inside. And he invites the rabbi in. And he says to him, Right now I have some very important visitors. So if you don't mind, Rabbi, Please go to the other room over here and rest. And as soon as I'm free, I'll take care of your conversion. Very happily, Rabbi. And the priest ordered his servant to bring the rabbi to the small room where there was some cake and some whiskey. And when the door closed, the rabbi poured himself another large glass of whiskey and drank it down in one gulp. But the rabbi wasn't used to drinking. And after the first glass and the second glass, He started getting dizzy, and he felt sick, and he threw up, and then he fell down on the floor and fell asleep. And a few hours later, he woke up, and he still had this strong urge to convert to Christianity. 
He didn't understand it. It upset him so much. He said, what's wrong with me? This is not like me. And he poured himself another glass of whiskey and drank it down quickly and fell asleep within a few minutes. And it was a short Shabbos. And when he woke up, it was already dark outside. And he opens the door and he says to the priest, No, what's with you, Goyim? I want to convert. Are you going to convert me or not? And the priest tells his servant, Close the door, please. I'm still with the guests. And that rabbi is really misbehaving himself. And so the servant comes in and says, Rabbi, please lay down here. And he arranges a pillow for him and a blanket and helps the rabbi to rest. And he falls asleep again. Now back several hours before, the congregation is waiting for the rabbi to show up for the Torah reading. And he doesn't show up. So they read the Torah and they finish davening Musaf. And everyone comes to the rabbi's house in order to have him make Kiddush. And they were shocked to learn that the rabbi wasn't at home. So they started asking one another, where's the rabbi? Has anyone seen the rabbi? And there was a rumor that someone had seen him go into the priest's house. They thought, no, it couldn't be. But then another person said, yeah, I also saw him going into the priest's house. And a few people who lived at the edge of town and had come to shul late noticed that the rabbi went into the priest's house. And the community was very upset. People started crying and asking one another, how can this be? And all Shabbos, they were wondering, how can our rabbi want to convert to Christianity? How can he be in the priest's house? And everyone was very confused, didn't know what to do. In the meantime, it came time for Sudash Lishit, the third holy meal on Shabbos. And as everybody knows, the third meal on Shabbos is like the Ne'ilah of Shabbos. Ne'ilah, of course, is the fifth prayer that we pray on Yom Kippur. And it's the highest of all the prayers on Yom Kippur. And the third meal on Shabbos is the high point, the spiritual peak, Raiva Divaivin. And at that time, the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov would use his holy vision to look outward and see where all of the Hasidim that he had sent out on Shlichut as emissaries, where they were and where they were holding, to see how they were doing physically and spiritually. And when he reached the Hasid that he had sent to this town in Lithuania, he saw there was a dark cloud surrounding him. And he wondered, how can such a great Torah scholar and such a great Hasid as Yosele have fallen so far? And the Baal Shem Tov started meditating on Yosele, trying to figure out why he had this black cloud around him. And they started singing the hymn that we sing on Shabbos, B'nai Hechala. And when they got to the part where it talks about abolishing all evil powers, the Baal Shem Tov started repeating it to himself. The Baal Shem Tov kept repeating again and again, Levatala bechon klifin, nullifying all of the evil energy. And his mind traveled to the highest places in heaven, trying to find out what had led to his chassid's fall. And eventually it was revealed to him that the rabbi, the chassid of the Baal Shem Tov, had taken away the livelihood of this Torah scholar, who for years the community had supported. And he sat and learned in their merit and answered their questions. And the Baal Shem Tov, knowing the holy secret of Nikudot Tovot, of focusing on the good points, 
He says to the heavenly court, But look at all the mitzvot this rabbi has performed, and all the Torah that he so lovingly learned. And he was told by the heavenly court that the rabbi can't be helped. His Torah learning and his mitzvot are not enough. And the Baal Shem Tov said, Look at how devoted this chassid was to Malava Malka, to making the extra meal after Shabbos, the meal of David Melech of King David. He always did it so faithfully and joyously, never missing a week. Was that not worthy enough to pull him out of this darkness and save him? And the answer from the heavenly court was, Yes, but only if he does Malava Malka. This Motzeh Shabbos as well. And the Baal Shem Tov opens up his eyes and takes off a big piece of the challah that was on his table and another complete challah from the 12 that he always had on the table on Shabbos. And he hands it to the chassid who's next to him. And he says to the chassid, take this and go and Hashem should be with you. And the chassid didn't ask any questions. He took the piece of challah and the whole challah and simply walked out of the Beit Midrash of the Baal Shem Tov. And he continued walking and walking until he got to the end of Meshibuz and to the end of town. In the meantime, back in the base Midrash where the Baal Shem Tov was, he started saying louder and louder and louder the words about abolishing evil powers. And this chassid, he continued walking, not knowing where he was going or what he was supposed to do. The Baal Shem Tov said just to go. So he went. And then he felt the road underneath his feet become rough. And the pebbles, which he hardly noticed, were now big stones, and it was hard for him to walk on them. And he realized that the evil energy in the world was pushing back against him. And so he pushed forward, doubling his efforts, knowing that there was opposition to the good that he was trying to do. And once again, the road became smooth, but then all of a sudden, the road was filled with sand, and he could barely walk. But he strengthened himself and he said, I'm on a mission from the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov, and I'm going to push forward no matter what. And he didn't give up. He continued going forward. And then the road became smooth again. But then there was a deep layer of sand with mud. And it was so hard for the Chassid to walk forward. And he cried out to heaven. Then he said, Rebono Shalom, please help me, Hashem. I'm doing this on behalf of the Heidegabal Shem Tov. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I know whatever I'm doing, I have to keep going forward. This is very important, Hashem. I have to make it to my destination. And once again, the road felt smooth. And this time he felt that every step he took, he was miraculously going hundreds and hundreds of kilometers. He was traveling huge distances with every step that he took. And suddenly, he saw a light in the distance. And he said, I'm exhausted. I'm just going to go to that house and rest there. And when he reaches the house, he looks in the window. And he sees on the floor is a Jew, a very distinguished looking Jew, sleeping on the floor next to something that doesn't smell so good. And he gently opens the door and walks in. And he sees the priest's servant is there. And the priest's servant is shocked to see this chassid. He says, what are you doing here? And the chassid said, that's not important. What is the rabbi doing here on the floor? He says, the rabbi came here on your Shabbos to convert by the priest. The chassid couldn't believe what he was hearing. And suddenly he understood this was the reason that the Baal Shem Tov sent him. 
he had to somehow save the rabbi from converting. And so he shook the rabbi. The rabbi opens one eye, and he sees the chassid of the Baal Shem Tov standing over him. And he sits up and he says, Give me another glass of whiskey. But the chassid says to him, Rabbi, please, wash your hands. And he brings him a basin and a natla, a nagel vasar, to wash his hands. The rabbi washes his hands, and then the chassid gently asks the rabbi to please say hamotzi, the blessing for eating bread. And since the rabbi hadn't eaten all day, he happily ate the challah that the chassid had brought from the Heidegabal Shem Tov. And as soon as he ate the challah, all of the alcohol left his body, and he realized what was going on, and he says, Oy vey, what am I doing here? I was just about to convert. Oh my God, what happened to me? How can I possibly do tshuva? How can I repent for this terrible sin? If only I could see the Baal Shem Tov. He could help me to do tshuva. He turns to the chassid, he says, How do we get to Mejibuz? It'll take us two weeks to get there. The chassid says, Rabbi, get up. And the rabbi gets up and he says, Hold on to my gartel. And the rabbi holds the gartel, the belt of the chassid. And the chassid says, we're going to Mejibuz right now. Just like I got here, we'll get back there. And they go outside the priest's house, and it's pitch dark. They can't see anything. And the rabbi says to the chassid, what are we doing? He says, listen, this is how I got here. And if we have enough faith, we'll get back the same way. So the rabbi says, okay, let's go. He's holding on to the chassid's garton. And they walk like 10 steps, and they see that they're on the outskirts of Mejibuz. And the rabbi says, I don't believe it. This is two weeks of travel, and all we took was ten steps. And the chassid says to the rabbi, listen, stop worrying about miracles. Just focus on the task at hand. We need to get to the rabbi, and fast. They went to the Baal Shem Tov's house, and they saw that he was still in the middle of the third meal, singing B'nai Echala with all the chassidim. And when he sees the rabbi, the rabbi breaks out into these really heavy sobs. Rebbe, how could I do this? Rebbe, what happened to me? And the Baal Shem Tov calmed him down. And he said, listen, my friend, you were judged very harshly in heaven. And for that, you needed my help. But you need to know why you were judged so harshly. You have to be very careful of your responsibility as the rabbi of that community. You left a Torah scholar and his family without Parnassa, and that was wrong, and you will need to fix that when you get back. And you judged a case improperly, and you'll need to fix that as well. The Baal Shem Tov gave the rabbi a glass of water, and he said, drink this. This is from my mikvah, and it will heal you. And the rabbi drank the water from the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov's mikvah, and his body was completely revived, and his mind was crystal clear. And the Baal Shem Tov warned him, this time... When you go back, you're going to have to travel by horse and wagon. It will take you two weeks to get back home. And the whole way, you meditate on your responsibility as the rabbi of that community. And I know, I have faith in you, that you will never allow this to happen again. And you will never need to face a test like this. And the whole ride back, the rabbi was thinking about what happened to him. And he made sure when he got back, the first thing he did was personally go around and collect money for the Talmud Chacham and his family. And the next time he judged a court case, he was much more careful with his judgments. And from that point on, instead of davening at home and coming to the Torah reading, the rabbi was always the first in shul and daven with the congregation every Shabbos. 
So that was quite a long story, and I always have a second story, but it's going to be a really short one. So here it is. Rabbi Eliyahu Yosef Rivlin was one of the Hasidim of the Mitla Rebbe, and afterwards the Tzemach Tzedek. And once, Shalom Neda, we shouldn't know from these things, he became ill with tuberculosis and had sores on his lungs that were attached to his ribcage. The doctors told him that a prognosis like this was just a matter of time before he was no longer in this world. And so, being a chassid of the Tzemach Tzedek, he went to his Rebbe and asked for a bracha. He said, Rebbe, the doctors tell me I only have a short amount of time to live because I have these adhesions on my lungs that are attached to my ribcage. What am I going to do? The Tzemach Tzedek thinks for a second and he says, You know, according to the Ashkenazi tradition, the Ramah rules that an animal that has adhesions on its lungs is treif. It's forbidden to be eaten because it will die within a year. However, the Beit Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, which Svardi tradition is based on, says that an animal like that is kosher. So you need to travel to Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel, where the rulings of Rav Yosef Karo are accepted as law, and not here, in Europe. And so Rabbi Eliyahu Yosef took the advice of the Tzemach Tzedek and moved to Eretz Yisrael and lived for 20 more years. However, once he went back to Lubavitch to see the Tzemach Tzedek, and the Tzemach Tzedek was shocked to see him. And he says to Rabbi Eliyahu Yosef, What are you doing here? I sent you to Eretz Yisrael so that you'd live longer. And Rabbi Eliyahu Yosef, he says, Fish spend their entire lives in water. They're always in the water. But when it rains, they come up to the surface. Why do they want to come to the surface when it rains if they're always in the water? Because they want to receive water that comes from heaven. And just like the fish Rebbe, even though I'm always in the land of Israel, I had to come here and get water from heaven from you, Rebbe.
Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. As always, remember, just like the Hasid in the first story, when you're walking in darkness, just keep going. When the evil energy in the world is making the path harder and harder for you, be a Hasid of the Baal Shem Tov. Strengthen yourself and keep on walking, keep on singing, keep on dancing until you finally reach the light at the end of the road. This episode of the Hasidic Story Project is dedicated in memory of Gila Yocheved Batshalom Begavi. May her memory be for a blessing. Thank you for listening, my friends. Please keep listening. Please keep sharing. And please keep writing to me. I really enjoy the messages. They inspire me to keep telling the stories. So wherever you're listening, send me a message on Facebook or YouTube, or you can email me, my first name and my last name at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. And I look forward to our next story next week, which will be miraculously episode 200. A very special story coming. Be'ezrat Hashem. L'chaim, my sweetest friends. Zai gesund.